talking about experiencing God in a deeper way. So we're asking the question, are we ready or not to make some little life choices that can have a big impact on our lives? And today we're gonna talk about, can we make some decisions that will allow us to experience God on a deeper level? And so Krista, you've done a lot of kind of thinking about this, about how people are wired differently and so we can connect with God in different ways. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we have three ways of processing information or three ways of knowing things. And so we have our head, which is where we process information and our thinking. It's more strategic, more cerebral, you know, that kind of world. People who live in spreadsheets and lists and, you know, document it for me. And then we have heart-centered, which is processing information and knowing through how we feel about things. Uh, What am I drawn to? What does this mean for me? Does it align with my values? Uh, How does it impact my relationships? relationships and the people around me. So also very important. And then the third way, which you've described it as head, heart, and hands, Mm -hmm. which I really like the three H's. The way that I would describe hands is it's this combination of gut, instinctual knowing. Any of you ever said, I just know that I know. (laughs) And I I don't need to give you my spreadsheet because I just know. There's this, you know, instinctual knowing, the processing of information in our brain that our thinking center hasn't quite caught up to yet because our brain processes information at different levels. That doesn't mean one is better than the other. We need all three of them. I'm going to get to that. Uh, And then there's action involved in that. It's where we we jump in and we learn by doing. I don't have all the facts. I, I don't have access to all the facts, but I can learn as I go. So think of it like a tricycle. Each of us naturally leads with head, heart, or hands, just the way that God created us. And then we have a secondary one that we kind of lean into, and then the third usually is underutilized or repressed. So it's like a flat tire. So imagine trying to ride the tricycle with a flat tire. And what I love about this concept is that neuroscience has finally caught up with scripture. And you know, think of when they asked Jesus, what is the, the greatest commandment? And you know how Jesus answered, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind and strength. Now I know that's four things and we're describing three. I believe that soul and strength are in in the hands category. In fact, the ancient Hebrews, when they would write about and teach about soul, they often would describe the bowels. (laughs) Never thought I'd say that word in church or the gut. And so they were pretty wise and ahead of their time. So I'm curious, which one do you think you each lead with? What's natural for you? I'm just going to jump in and say, I am definitely, now that you define these different things, I'm, I'm hand. You know, uh, growing up, my auntie used to say, I know I'm my knower. And that's exactly how I feel about I, the Bible. I know in, the in my knower. In my knower. I like that. Wherever that place is, I know. Here. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I knew. And then I would say, um, my second big tricycle wheel would be heart. And uh, I think my flat tire is head. So I have two, I, my tricycle <laughs> is going to be. the guy with multiple master's degrees. Yeah, exactly. I had to catch up. Well, but that's the interesting part of your story, right? Is yeah. that you had this natural bent. You know, Dion Hairston was, was this guy who, who, who just knew and he boldly going into life. And that heart and that passion was there. But kind of later in your, in your ministry, actually, you knew you had to kind of beef up the head. So you did get multiple master's degrees and you're an educator and brilliant. And so, you know, there is a way to kind of take that flat tire and pump it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah just because you're stronger in one, I don't think means that 
you know, that you don't have the rest. I think that we have access to all three. But I love that description of, I need your auntie in my life because I love the, <laughs> I know in my knower. Because that is how I argue with my husband. Those are our arguments. I am, I know in my knower. He is, please present an argument with all of your, um, you know, like come to a courtroom and have all of your case prepared and all of the facts. And then I will listen to you. And I'm just like, I'm just right because I know in my knower. And so... Sounds like a staff meeting. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be other relationships too, but you know, but we've had to, we kind of talked about this too. We have had to take it from our knower and put words to it. And we've had to access that part in order to communicate to people who really do, you know, that my husband doesn't ask for that because he's just a jerk, but because he's like, I actually need to understand. I need to understand. And so it's forced me to kind of you know, get out of my comfort zone of just being like, well, it just is because it is and having to actually, you know, study it and put words and put language to communicate it to that, that head person. And, and I will say... He's not the head, but to a head thinker. <laughs> I just want to make that clear. It's a very important distinction. Very clear delineation. <laughs> so, I, I would say it's, it's people like your husband that made me have to go back and go, let me put some words to this. Let me put some definitions to this, some facts to this and actually present it in a, in a, in a correct way. And... That's basically why I had to like, I was like, okay, no, I know. They were like, well, show me. I'm like, yeah, let me go show you. <laughs> so then I started to know scriptures and then I had to start looking up history and looking at the Bible and looking up words in Greek and Hebrew. And I, I started to go, I, I went all in on that. You did. This is iron sharpening iron. Neither of the three are more valuable than the others. In fact, we are integrated holistically encountering and experiencing God and people when we learn to access all three. And so I'm curious, what's yours, Scott? Which one do you lead with? Well, I've been around here for 50 years. (laughs) Everybody will say, yes, it's the head, right? Lead with the head. I studied God's word since I was 14. I mean, it's actually some of us have sort of the same background where I think you, Carissa, the same way as you started in God's word and studying God's word and reading about God's word from a young age. And that was absolutely me. I came to faith because of study. Um, that was the primary you know, kind of role in my ministry was teach, 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 teach. And then uh, later, sort of the wing, number two, was the action. I like leading institutions and creating systems and creating programs and getting the congregation to work. I have had to work on the heart deal for a lot of reasons that I've shared that have to do with my upbringing and some hurts there was pretty, pretty guarded. And I, I think, Carissa, you share some of the same story. Yeah. So, you know, Megan mentioned in the first service that we can look back, those of us that have been following Jesus for a while, and we can see maybe in different seasons how we've leaned into and learned to access different centers. And so, you know, for the last probably decade up until a couple of years ago, I was all in my head. My heart center was completely repressed. And part of that was a protective mechanism that I think was part wiring as well as just to survive as a kid growing up. And so what wound up happening for me was I hit what I described to you a month ago as a dark night of the soul. So, you know, when you begin to look and face some of the evil that has been done to you, my head was not able to process through it. Like the song that you guys were singing, you know, uh, God takes what the enemy meant for evil and turns it to good. I can remember being in that season though, and that song was on and tears going, that's not computing in my head based off of my lived experience at the time. And so that led me into some of the contemplative practices. 
uh, scripture, uh, prayer, Lectio Divina, which is reading the scripture slowly and listening and really just being present with God. There was a phrase for me that was really powerful that I learned from one of my teachers. It was, <laughs> I needed to learn how to be a human being instead of a human doing because I was you know, reading commentaries for fun, which I still do. So this is my process. And you know, if any of you are here and you're thinking, maybe that might be something you wanna develop, I would say find a teacher. This wasn't something that I just sat down and figured out on my own. And we have a holy yoga and meditation group starting. <laughs> and she's gonna be leading that virtually and it's gonna be her teaching how to live into those contemplative practices. So centering prayer, Lectio Divina, those types of things. And I think she'll be a great teacher for those who are ready for that. You know, I, I'm just gonna say, I used to read commentaries and study the word, all that kind of stuff for fun too. But the only thing it was doing was reinforcing my knower. Right. You yeah, know, it, right. it, yeah. it, 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 I had to actually reapply it for the head yeah. because it was so disconnected from my head. And so I think that's just awesome how we can be looking at the same material, same Bibles, same, um, um, what are they called again? Books. Yeah, the, uh, the books that, that tell you about the Bible. What commentaries. Uh, commentaries. I'm like, I just, <laughs> brain fart. I'm like, what was that? Okay, so the commentaries, head. I love that, that we can look at them and, and it just feeds different parts of who we are. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah, and that's the same like with worship music, I think was a big part of like why I, why I connected to God through worship music because the truth and the, you know, a lot of worship is scripture and a lot of it is truth and a lot of it is just... It's like I know in my knower and then I will be like singing and it'll be like just to the right melody and just to the right build. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and it's right just there. like it wants to just jump out. Like that's what I've been knowing and that's what I am singing and I'm going to like shout it from the rooftops, you know, that truth. Just like today, it literally hit me when we were singing, um, uh, when we were singing that part where you just brought up like <laughs> no weapons, <laughs> no weapons formed against us shall prosper. And I'm like, I'm like, oh my God, Yes. My heart felt that thing, and I was like, it, it, the Bible is not telling us that the weapons weren't there. It's just saying that they won't prosper. That thing made me just I leap. My heart leaped for joy. <laughs> That's great. Literally. And the, you, you, know, you take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good was Joseph in hindsight. So it was like after he was in the goodness, he's looking back. And so I think that's why, you know, it's so important to have each other around because those who just know when someone is struggling with the, with the knowing here, you know, and vice versa, when we're just not having that gut, you know, but it's like we can go to the, what are the facts or what are, what is the knowledge? And so it's just like, you know. Just. Yeah. Well, this is why we need each other and compliment each other and why when we say as a church, we're a diverse community of friends fun conversations like this happen. I mean, truly, this is a staff meeting, right? This is what happens. Absolutely. Is we each bring our different experiences, our different backgrounds, uh, our, our different ethnic experiences, family experiences, how we're wired to the table, and that makes this a beautiful body of Christ. So I can't thank you enough, and you're a part of that as well. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about, are we ready to experience God at a deeper level? Are we ready to experience God at a deeper level. 
Now, this phrase might have a couple different reactions. Some of you are like, absolutely, let's experience God. You come from a more experiential background. You come from maybe the more feeler background and, and you want to feel the presence of God and you're into you know, prayer and worship and all of those experiences with God and with his church. And you're thinking, let's do it. Others of you may have had some difficult experiences in the past with church and you might be a little bit more guarded because of your past and you're thinking, well, are we going to get into weird stuff here? Right, are we going to be handling snakes and falling on the ground? No, none of the weird stuff. But we are going to stretch each other, all of us. We're going to stretch each other, asking ourselves the question, are we ready in 2022 to experience a little more in our relationship with God? But before we do that, I want to establish three foundational things, right? And this is maybe the head coming out here. But I want to establish three foundational truths before we talk about how we experience God. One of them is this that God does not need to come to us and we do not need to come to God. There's a little bit of a misnomer in the human psyche that God is out there, God is holy, God is pure, and we have to somehow seek him or find him or get to him, or that he has to seek us, find us, and get to us. That's the normal way humans think about the, the divine. That is not the case. God always is, God is always now, God is always here, God is always with us, God is always in us, Nothing can change that. It's just the reality. So when we think about experiencing God, it's not about some place we have to go or something we have to do necessarily to experience a God who's out there and has to be attained. He's right here always and now and with us and in us. I love the way the Apostle Paul puts it. He's walking through Athens, modern day Greece, through a garden of the gods, 1,000 idols just human inventions of different gods trying to find all the gods that could be out there and to please them and appease them. And the apostle Paul following Jesus is having a dialogue with him. And he says to these people worshiping all these gods that his purpose was for all people to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. The apostle Paul is saying, hey, this is what you're doing here. You're trying to feel your way towards God and trying to find God. But listen to what he says but he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And he's talking to everyone, believer and unbeliever. He's saying, hey, listen, God is not far from any one of us right here, right now and with us and in us. And you're trying to find him through all these idols and you're trying to find him through all this religious stuff. Just know he is here. He is here. We do not need to come to God and he does not need to come to us. Second foundational truth here, nothing can separate us from God, relationally. So he's here, he's eternal, he's ever-present, but nothing can separate us relationally. I love the way Romans 8 puts it. Some of you have memorized this. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the fears of today or the worries of tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So not only is he here always, but nothing can separate us even relationally. And, and maybe uh, you had a church experience where you were taught that our sin can separate us from God. Maybe you were taught that. I was taught that a million times. If there was one thing I was taught probably more than anything else as a youngster growing up in church is that my sin separates me from God. 
Megan mentioned it kind of earlier, right? You, you sin against God and okay, well, he can't be in the presence of sin. He turns our back on us. And so we have to repent and confess and do better and be sincere and all that stuff. And maybe God will then turn towards you and bless you again and offer you forgiveness again. And that's just the cycle of religion. Every religion has the same kind of cycle, right? But the truth is nothing can separate us from God, not even our own sin. It is not possible for us to separate ourselves from God, even with our own failures. And I've heard it said, well, God can't be in the presence of sin. That is utter, utter, ridiculous nonsense. Of course he can be. Jesus died for the sins of the world. That's the core doctrine, that the sins of the world were placed on the body of Christ and he died for those. So of course he can be in the presence of sin. He took it all upon himself. So God doesn't turn his back on you or I if we're not perfect or we do something wrong again, right? He's right here, always, never separated from us. Listen to Romans 5, 8. Again, some of you have this memorized, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The love of God fully expressed even in the midst of our failures. He never turns our back on us, even in our failures. God is here and nothing can separate us from him. And he's always good. God is always good. There's a cool little tradition that started, I think, a few decades ago. A songwriter named Don Moen wrote a song, God is Good. And so he began that song by saying, God is good. And the crowd said, all the time. Then he said, all the time. And the crowd said, God is good. Can we try it? This is very complicated. God is good. And all the time. God is good. And all the time. And there's that, that deep kind of settled reality that, that kind of sets in when we know that because the world around us is not good all the time. There are some bad things that happen to us. I mean, just to be quite honest, this last week was, I, I just felt that sometimes there's text after text of bad news, right? And I'm not just talking about what's happening in the world or our country or whatever. I'm just talking about personal friends of mine and tragedies that are hitting and and just text after text, these are not good things. And meeting after meeting, not good things. But a good God is with us and in us the entire time. God is here now and always. He has never separated us from us. And he is good. He is good. I love Nahum 1.7. It's a little gem in the Old Testament where Israel was just getting hammered from all sides. Nothing good was happening and yet, here's this declaration. The Lord is good, a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. He is always here. Nothing can separate us. And he is always good. We just have to see it. That's what belief is, is just seeing what's already here. Belief doesn't make anything happen. Belief just sees what's already here. God is already here. We are completely and in every way united with God by his forgiving grace. And he is always a good God. Just sometimes we don't see it. We just need to see it. That's the experience of God. It's not creating something that's not here. It's just seeing what already is here. You may not know this, but there is a crumble cookie right on this table. Did you know it? Did you see it? You didn't know it. You didn't see it. That's right here. So now I am noticing this beautiful crumble cookie that is before me. And I hear there's a crumble store coming to this area. Is that true? Yes, we're counting the days. So now that I know it and see it and experience it, I just took a taste of it. And it's pretty good. 
I just lost five minutes of my lifespan by taking that bite because it is so bad for you. But it is wonderful, right? I just had to see it. And when I see it, I can experience it. Does that make sense? We don't have to create anything for God. And God doesn't have to create anything for us. We just have to kind of walk in a presence of life that says, you know what? God is right here. Nothing separates me from him and he is good. Now I can experience God. So how can we experience God in a deeper way? The answer to that question is custom depending on how he wired you. Are you a head person, a heart person, or a hands person? And usually, as Carissa says, you're one strong and then you have a wing number two and then we have to maybe work on on the weak spot just to kind of get us a little more balanced. But what is your number one and what is your number two? Are you a head person, heart person, or hands person? Let's talk to us head people. Head people, you think and operate cerebrally. Uh, You live your life driven by what you think. And so you're often daydreaming about things. You're not daydreaming about music in your head all the time, but you're daydreaming about thoughts and, and, and how to solve problems and how to get things done you know, from a, a, a process point of view. You're a process person. I want to be really clear. For those of us head people, we are not smarter than everybody else. We think we are smarter than everybody else, but we're not. When I was young, head person, I read more, I studied more, I memorized the Bible more, I had more theology and doctrine dialed in, pretty good in, in school, and so I had, you know, got the A's and all that. I literally thought I was smarter than, than other people. I wasn't. I had to realize down the road, I'm just as dumb as everybody else. I just think more cerebrally, right? So in your relationship with God, if you're a head person, You're typically more engaged in God's word and you want Bible teaching, nothing wrong with that. You wanna go to church and you wanna have your brain stimulated. You want to learn something perhaps new that you haven't learned before or a point of view that's kind of unique and interesting. Um, You might think a lot about who God is and how he engages the world. You might think, you know, very systematically and you might think uh, maybe a bit cynically or critically. You might have doubts rolling around in your head. All of that is okay. It's how God wired you, embrace it. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 was written by the Apostle Paul. He wrote half of the New Testament. He was a head person. And here's what he writes. Test everything and hold on to what is good. Don't you love that? The Bible, a religious document, says use your brain. Test everything. I mean, what other religious text would say test it? No, wait. In religious circles, you're supposed to just blindly believe, right? For a head person, um, blindly believing just sometimes doesn't sit right. You got to be able to think. You got to process. You got to criticize. You got to get the facts. Test everything and hold on to the good. God embraces us head people, thankfully. But here's some things we can do to deepen our experience with God as head people. You can expand an intentional reading habit. Expand an intentional reading habit. Something I did in 2022 is I bought a paper Bible. This is called a book has a cover, has pages. There's writing on the pages. Um, I had to rediscover this because I have not owned, here I'm a pastor, I have not owned a paper Bible in 20 years. Haven't owned a paper Bible. Maybe not 20, maybe eh, 12. But um, I had to rediscover paper and rediscover for me, I just wanted that sort of tactile experience of waking up and before I get to work, just reading a couple chapters. Now, I'm not suggesting this as something you can do, but um, you might want to try that. Or if you're in the habit of reading your Bible, you know, maybe expand that habit. 
Uh, maybe read some books alongside of it. Maybe challenge yourself and read something outside of the bubble that maybe you were raised in. And to think, you know, I'm going to read outside of that. I'm going to get another opinion, another perspective. Expand intentionally your reading habit. Embrace questions and even doubt. Embrace questions and even doubt. Very often, head people have a short shelf life in church. Unless they're a head person, as was described here, and this is my experience, when I was reading voraciously as a young kid, I mean, really from 14 till about 20 years old, I was just absorbing the Bible, and I was reading only things that reaffirmed what I already believed. And boy, did it feel good to be that right. And then I had this moment, what I call my grace awakening, where it's like, this isn't working in the real world. This isn't making sense. This doesn't even, you know, in my view, represent scripture well. So I started taking the risk of reading kind of outside of that. I doubted a lot of the things that I was raised in. It's not that I'm doubting God or Jesus. I'm just doubting the system around that, that I was raised in, in some respects. And I took the risk privately, secretly on the lowdown, reading some things that were on the naughty list. <laughs> And growing and learning and being challenged, it's great. Embrace questions and even doubt. You know, that is okay. Find a group of unafraid people. Sometimes in church, it's hard to find groups that um, are good with really healthy dialogue and differences. Those groups are available. On Wednesday night, when we start our winter quarter, we're gonna have some classes that are unafraid people having conversations with each other. If you're a head person and you're wanting to volunteer, I might suggest volunteering in youth group or young adults. Your head will explode because the questions they come at you with will be nonstop, right? Good, young, eager questions, right? So as a head person, that was primarily my way of, of connecting with God and I loved it. I really connected with the head person, Paul, connecting with the head person, Timothy, this young minister who says, study to show yourself approved. A workman that has no need to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth. So this was my journey. Maybe it's your journey as well. We can deepen that. We can expand that. All right, let's talk to you heart people, heart people. You process primarily with your emotions. Um, I want to be as clear to you as I was with the head people. Being a heart person does not correlate with you being more kind and empathetic. So don't you be judging us that we're not kind or empathetic because you're a heart person. Some of the most unkind people I've ever met operate by their emotions. You know what I'm talking about. They'll come after you with their emotions in a very unkind way. So that does not necessarily correlate with being kind and empathetic. But you perhaps are drawn to jobs and hobbies that are more people-oriented, more relational. You tend to feel emotions at, a higher, at higher highs and lower lows. You're more attuned to the human experience, not just lists of opinions. You argue from how you feel more than how you think. And so even in our little conversation up here, some of us up here, when we're expressing an opinion, lead with, I think. I think this and I think that. Two people up here led with, I feel this, I feel that. I don't wanna ruin your life, but I'm telling you, observe. Who leads with, I think this, and who leads with, I feel this. It's pretty remarkable and pretty fun, and I just ruined a lot of your relationships. You're drawn to the aesthetics of beauty and nature and art and music. You connect with music and connect with those lyrics. You probably care a lot about how many people follow you or liked your latest dumb post. In terms of your relationship with God, you feel close through prayer. You might feel close through worship music. You want to feel the presence of God. And listen, all that's okay. All of that's okay. 
I, I had to learn to not just accept that because I had to initially begrudgingly accept, accept that, but then I had to actually pursue it. And this is something I'm working on. This is my flat tire, right? Uh, I don't really, this is gonna sound oddly phrased, but I don't feel the need to feel God's presence at all. I mean, at all. I have no pulse on that. I have, I have no feeling to feel the presence of God because I you know, am comfortable knowing the presence of God, right? But why not? Why would I push that out? And so I'm up here participating in, in worship every single time we have a service. I'm not in some back room studying and reviewing. I wanna be right here because I want to exercise that weak spot in my life and, and to open myself up during this music and during this prayer and during our experience together is, is can I feel the presence of God as well as, know, as well as knowing the presence of God? And, and the answer is yes. So for those of you who are, who are heart people or, or who wanna work on this, a couple of things. Uh, expand your prayer habit. Now, back in my day, you know, kind of the dark ages of Christianity, it was about the number of minutes praying. It was a, a spiritual discipline. Prayer was taught as a spiritual discipline. And there were, you know, prayer braggers. Oh, I'm 15 minutes a day in prayer and I'm 30 minutes a day in prayer and I wake up at five for prayer. And, and it was just, and I, that, was, that was not me. I am not a prayer person. I've been honest about that. It's just not how I'm wired. I have tried and I have tried, I'm telling you, because it was the thing I was supposed to do and I'd sit and I'd pray and I'm not joking, within 50 seconds, my head is all over the place. I don't even know, I, I, oh, was I praying? I mean, I forgot I was praying because my head was daydreaming about all kinds of stuff, so I felt guilty. I felt guilty that I wasn't praying right or for so many minutes or at such a, such a time of day. And then it kind of dawned on me when Jesus' disciples asked Jesus how we should pray, Jesus gave a 43-second prayer, and I was set free. <laughs> Jesus gave us the exact, the Lord's prayer. We could say it together. It's 43 seconds, you know, and done. Now, I'm not saying 43 seconds is the ideal number of seconds to pray. More or less, I don't think it matters one bit. What Jesus said during that whole teaching was that if we're praying to impress people, either with how much time we spend in prayer or how we pray, repetitive words or highly emotional words, Jesus says, you know what? That's just for show. God wants authenticity, and so for me, the way my head is wired, it's a very, very busy place. Believe me, it's, you, you don't want it. When I go to prayer, if I can get through 60 seconds of focused prayer, the heavens are probably erupting. Good for you. Good for you. You did it, right? But um, so for me, prayer is more of a um, kind of a moment-by-moment -moment experience. What I want to do and a prayer that works for me is just be, try to be constantly in the moment of being aware that God is here. Nothing separates me from him and he is good. And be aware of that in every moment and in every conversation. To me, that's kind of an experience of prayer that I can really get down with. There's other kinds of more contemplative prayer, prayer journeys. And, you know, Chris has got, um, you know, a whole lot of good stuff there. If you want to just chat, chat with her, um, solitudes and breathing and just really leaving in the present moment. I want to encourage you, let yourself really dive into worship. Whether you're a heart person or not, really dive into worship. Um, moment of honesty here. Rancho, in my opinion, has some of the most amazing things happening on the stage of any church I've ever been to. And I've been to a lot of places. The talent, the people, the heart. Our church is not built on worship experiences. Our church, I would say historically, is more built on this journey of, of the gospel and the grace and teaching this gospel, this grace message. 
And so we're not really, you know, a level 10 in terms of the experience of worship. But I just want to encourage us, you know, over time, this is in no way to, you know, guilt us into anything or to say this is better, but I'm just saying we can probably experience God in a little bit more of a unique way if we dive into worship and, and live in these songs and sing this poetry, really what this music is, is singing scripture, singing poetry with music that does something to the heart. And then to maybe take a little bit of a risk. I had to do this myself. First, start mouthing the words and don't sing. That's a big deal. You know, for those of us who aren't heart people, when I, singing in a crowd, it just wasn't my jam. I can mouth the words. And then maybe a little bit of volume comes out. And then over time, I actually became a worship leader in youth group. Awful. I mean, awful. I, I can't even describe how bad I was. But then to kind of embrace that journey of, you know what, we're going to walk and experience together and we're going to sing together and we're going to enjoy this. Maybe join a group uh, this winter with the intent on really connecting because you're a heart person, really connecting heart to heart, people to people. And if you want a fun, emotional experience in volunteering, volunteer for kids. That's just a heart ministry. Um, the head is more youth and young adults, but just having fun with kids and grounding them in the basics of, of who God is, that could be pretty fun. Let's talk about hands people, hands people. These are the doers. These are the doers. Now, as I have warned the head people and the heart people, because you're more active does not mean you're harder working. It could mean you're just busier, Right? Uh, it could just mean that you're, you know, doing, doing, doing to, to kind of project your own self-worth. So I just want to encourage you, for those of your hands people, as with the heart people and as with the head people, don't judge others because they're not as busy as you are. Now, when it comes to Rancho, we have this saying that I love. It's my, it's, it's my favorite saying. It's my favorite phrase that we've ever had around here. It's live free and do good. You've seen that a lot. To me, that encompasses head, heart, and hands, right? The head part of Rancho is there's this message, there's this truth of God's grace through Jesus alone has nothing to do with us. It's only by his grace. We just receive and believe and enjoy his goodness and grace, and man, we're free. So the message of God's grace through Jesus Christ alone results in a feeling of freedom. We are free from laws, rules, commands, old covenant. We don't have to do anything for God or prove anything to God. We are totally free. That's how much we're loved. So now what do we want to do? If we're loved by God, well, we want to love others. So in our freedom, we're going to choose to do good. Live free, do good, head, heart, hands. And as a church, we are frankly busy. A lot of helping people, a lot of humanitarianism, a lot of mercy ministries, justice ministries, and so for people who love to not just kind of sit and listen, but get out there and take action, this is the place. This is the place for them. When it comes to experiencing God through what we do, the apostle James was a hands person. So Paul was a head person. James was a hands person. He was known as James the Just. Uh, he would seek out those who are marginalized and oppressed, and he would lift them up. He lived in poverty so that other people can live with, with plenty and here's what he writes in the book of James. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. There's the faith of the head and good deeds of the hands. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have any good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. In Christian scholarship, there is this huge debate that never ends. Who's right, Paul or James? Because you could take 
a verse from Paul, and it is the opposite of, the ver- of, of a verse from James. Opposite. You can go to Ephesians chapter two, where Paul says, grace not works. And you go right to James chapter two, and you see works, not faith. Or works prove faith. And you're thinking, who's right? What's the answer? Uh, yes. <laughs> They're both right. Paul is a head person. James is a hands person. And they're both coming from their perspectives inspired by the spirit of God to say, hey, listen, believe and know and set your foundation on truth and experience all the joy of of engaging your head in in experience with God. James said, listen, get to work, get busy, help the poor, help the widow, help the orphan. And by that experience, you're gonna experience God. And yes, they're all true. So how are you wired? Fuel that, fuel that. If you're an activist, if you're a hands person, I wanna encourage you. Be a humble and kind activist in your work, your social media, and your friendships. Uh, If you're an activist, don't be a jerk. Be humble and kind and move the needle by your your humility and kindness as you actually work to, to make the systems better around us, to help people that are in need. Maybe volunteer in a humanitarian ministry. We have dozens of humanitarian ministries that we've launched or partnered with. Maybe join our, our justice um, uh, a team, our rec- racial reconciliation team. If this world is broken and your heart breaks for that, you can get to work with your hands and do something good. Head, heart, and hands. Which are you? Head is primary for me, wing is hands. I'm working on that flat tire of, of heart stuff, right? What's your primary? What's your secondary? What could you work on? And then make some decisions. Maybe just little tweaks to expand your experience with God. That'll dramatically have an impact on your life to make you a little more like Jesus. And here at Rancho, we have this silly idea that we can be a diverse community of friends. Some head people, some heart people, some hands people, and we need each other. We need each other but we're trying to bring everyone together. It's not easy because the head people are always gonna want what they call meat in the sermons. Parse some Greek word, give me some historical stuff, let make this head work, right? We're gonna want Bible, Bible, Bible. And that's fantastic, I love it. That's my first language, right? The heart people are always gonna want the experience, the worship, every eye closed, every hands raised during, during worship. Give me more of that experience of music and prayer, right? And we've got, I think, a great environment of that for sure, enough to make this your home. And then we are a church of action, getting busy, transforming the world around it, around us, making it a little more like heaven. So we're, we're, we're trying to bring it all together. It's not easy. It's not easy, but we need each other because the vision here is to be the full expression of Jesus. We don't just want to be the head of Jesus. We don't just want to be the heart of Jesus. We don't just want to be the hands of Jesus. We'd like to experiment with this idea of can we have everyone here? Everyone feel welcome. Everyone feel apart. You scratch all the itches so people, you know, feel like they got something here, they got something here, they got something here. But to feel I'm welcome here, to know they're welcome here, and to know that they have a part to play. Because we need you. We need each other to make this the full body of Christ. So what can we do in 2020 to make a little tweak to enhance our experience with God? If you're a head person, heart person, hands person, it's gonna be a little bit different. Think about that, uh, pray on that, and uh, maybe make a choice or two that'll really improve your life. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we thank you that um, we can all join together as a family of faith, wired in different ways, experiencing you in different ways. There's no one right way. 
But God, we are each uniquely made in your image to connect with you through your word, through prayer, through music, uh, through more contemplative moments, through actively serving one another, um, learning of Jesus and, and, and experiencing our walk with Jesus and doing what Jesus did. So God, we're all welcome here. We are thankful that we can be a diverse community of friends advancing the cause of Christ and do that in a way where we have wide open doors uh, to everyone's experience, everyone's strengths. So God, would you help us to encourage each other and to equip each other to be more like Christ and, and even today being ready to make little decisions that can improve our experience with you and deepen our experience with you so that we can be more and more like Jesus, your son. In his name we pray. 